Welcome to Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. We both work on magic at Wizards of the Coast. We don't work on the story, but we work with the people who do. In this podcast, we recap magic story and condense it into easy to consume episodes. And of course, it wouldn't be magic without flavor text. So we'll give you our thoughts as well. This season, we are talking all about Dominaria United. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. Today, we're diving into episode five of Dominaria United Story, A Whisper in the Wind. This story is by Langley Hyde. So for those of you catching up from the last couple of episodes before we dive into episode five, today is the finale of Dominaria United Story, and quite a bit has happened to our Planeswalker friends in, in the last few episodes. And we're, we're mainly following our primary narrator, a planeswalker named Karn, and he is a machine golem planeswalker who um, is, can kind of build things out of metal and material and has a supernatural power to be able to like uh, read the components of the world around him. Um, and he is searching for proof that this ancient kind of biomechanical threat on in the multiverse is still a threat, uh, even though they haven't been around for a while. Um, and they're named the Phyrexians. And the Phyrexians are half machine, half organic, and they are basically an infectious species. So they will take over their hosts and, and suddenly the host will be non-organic anymore. They will be partially organic material, and then they'll be mostly Phyrexianized of these of this machine components within them, and they will serve Phyrexia. And so he does find proof and and he joins up with his fellow planeswalker friends Johnny, Jaya, Joda and and Teferi and they kind of try to mobilize Dominaria and their friends across the multiverse against this Phyrexian threat, right? The Karn had even run into Shieldred in episode one. And so this threat is real. And and so they they work to mobilize and they're all the while they're trying to make friends in order to, you know, uh, in order to fight against this massive foe, and they can kind of sense that something's really wrong. The Phyrexians are stronger, they're capable of more things than they were before. And they're also, meanwhile, trying to figure out the secret to operating an artifact called the Silex. And the Silex is just this like bull-shaped artifact, the ancient, and no one knows how to use it, but Karn suspects, Karn has this feeling that it is the key to destroying the, the Phyrexians. And so in our last episode, all of our Planeswalker friends kind of split up to find other, you know, other forces to help them in the fight against the Phyrexians. And uh, Teferi had earned the, the, um, had earned the loyalty of the dragons of Shiv and, and, and Deragaz, uh, the, the dragon had joined them, and along with them, the Viashino, the goblins, a, a lot of other clans kind of joined in as as the dragons did. And so they they fought off a Phyrexian swarm together and kind of united there. And then meanwhile, there were lots of things happening in last episode. Meanwhile, there was also this giant dragon engine that had attacked the Yavamayan elves in crew. And Maria and Joda had to fight side by side in order to destroy this dragon engine operated by Rona and... And they kind of destroyed this dragon engine together by using a vacuum bomb ancient artifact. And the Yabamayan elves joined the fight um, from, from fighting that together with Joda. 
And then meanwhile, Jaya and Danitha Capuchin and Ajani uh, try to rally the Dominarian soldiers. And they run across while they're trying to uh, fight off a, a new swarm of Phyrexians on Dominaria. They run across uh, Irtai. And he was a an old member of the Weatherlight crew. And he had been, he, everyone thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He was Phyrexianized. And so he comes out and it kind of shows the, his pet project of, of taking uh, Dominarians and turning them into his Phyrexianized projects and actually forces Danitha to kill her own father um, in this. And he summons a dreadnought and this massive Phyrexian dreadnought almost gets the better of our planeswalker friends. But then Rada on the Golden Argosi swoops in to save the day and they actually kill this dreadnought and Irtai gets away and as does Rona um, from the dragon from after destroying the dragon engine. And our Planeswalker friends had kind of this momentary victory after the war had officially started across Dominaria against the Phyrexians. But then it was revealed that there was a spy in the new coalition. So there's someone who has betrayed them within their own ranks. And that's where we left off. We don't know who it is. So as Natalie said, at the end of the last episode, we realized that there's a spy among the coalition. And we know this because all of the planeswalkers had split up to go recruit various different groups. And every single place that they went to recruit, a Phyrexian showed up. So we had the Dreadnought, we had um, the, uh, with, with Rona in it, we had, you know, all of these different things that Natalie just laid out. Well, we open this episode with Teferi and Karn as they work to get ready for the next Phyrexian attack, which is, of course, impending. So Jorah is working on putting a self-destruct button on the mana rig so that if captured, the Phyrexians have absolutely no chance of converting it into a Phyrexian weapon. Now, if they were to get a hold of it, they could create power stones. Now, if you'll remember in episode two, in the Tower of Argivia, there was a power stone that basically fueled the entire city. So that should tell you how powerful a power stone is. And they would be able to utilize Thrawn steel, which is nearly indestructible. Now, Karn has created a spying device that he hopes will help him see who the traitor in the coalition is. And right at the beginning, Teferi has this really nice moment with Karn where he actually apologizes to Karn for thinking of him as just a thing in the past. And Karn accepts his apology, uh, which is really big. I mean, Karn really spends a lot of time coming up against the fact that he's was created, right? He he was created to be a war machine. He was created to be a thing. So this is a really big moment. Yeah. And you see the planeswalkers kind of putting aside their differences, right? And the Phyrexians have, you know, the planeswalkers have always been kind of friends, like the, the ones that are fighting alongside each other now, Teferi, Karn, Jaya, Joda, you know, they have known each other before, but you can really see that the Phyrexian threat is now so massive that they're kind of putting aside past differences, right? They're trying to reconcile over the heirs of their old ways. And you see this moment with Teferi and Karn, right, over recognizing that Teferi did wrong in the past. Um, and it was just, you, you're, you're, you've seen them pop up in our episodes um, where Karn is kind of getting some well-earned recognition, uh, after so long. Yeah, he, he's been doing so much to try to basically save the multiverse. And he's finally getting that, like you said, that recognition from his friends, which is, you know, got to feel so incredible to him. Now, before we go any further, Natalie, I was wondering if you could actually describe what the mana rig looks like. If you're playing Dominaria already, um, you'll see that there is actually a card for the mana rig called the mana rig. And um, Natalie, if you'll just describe what it looks like on this card in particular. So yeah, if you were looking at the mana rig from kind of like an outsider's perspective, right? If you were if you were looking at the mana rig, uh, 
it, it is a massive artifact. It is the size of a city. It's, it's just humongous. And it's kind of looks like a city too. It's like this giant mechanical city built of metal on these sort of mechanical legs. And actually the manor rig can move with these legs. Um, but where it is currently at the start of our story, it has latched itself into the desert rocks of, and, and, and into the, uh, into the red mountains of Shiv. And so it's like clamped into the earth pretty much. And it is, it is stationary currently. Um, and that's something that the manor rig can do, but it also does have legs when it needs to, if, if it's activated, it does have legs and it can actually move. And it almost kind of reminds me of like the way a crab sort of moves, where it's like got these kind of legs and it's got and, and, and kind of points at the end of these legs and it kind of moves in a similar fashion as like a crab would. It's got this just massive body. And that's where our planeswalkers are right now. They're actually on the manor rig itself. Now, as they're on the manor rig, they're having this nice moment with Teferi and Karn where Teferi's apologizing and Jora is working hard to make sure that there's a self-destruct button on the manor rig the Phyrexians attack. And the first wave scales the sides of the mana rig and starts just attacking everyone. Also, I I highlight here the way that Karn describes this desert is just filled with Phyrexians down below them, right? They're up they're up safe, quote unquote safe on the mana rig right now. But below them in the sands, like it wasn't even sand that was below them. It was just shifting like a massive sea of Phyrexians. And he described like this silver glittering mass as far as the eye can see, all just filled with Phyrexians. And he actually described, you could, you could see larger forms of Phyrexians like dreadnoughts and you name it, kind of, kind of like burst from this sea like whales cresting the ocean, right? Like it's, it's just a massive swarm beneath them. And they knew they were going to be attacked eventually. So I just want to give a perspective over just how many Phyrexians are here. Yeah. And speaking of dreadnoughts, actually, another dreadnought is here. And this one has centipede legs and mandibles as if it couldn't get worse. (laughs) So this dreadnought starts, you know, crawling towards the mana rig. And it's like as tall as the mana rig itself, right? Which is a feat. But this is a Phyrexianized dreadnought. We saw how big they were in the last episode, like as big as mountains, right? And so this this centipede-like Phyrexian just starts crawling through the masses of, of Phyrexians beneath it and starts heading like straight for the mana rig. Exactly. So the, our planeswalkers, they fire back at this dreadnought and at the Phyrexians with the mana rig's cannons. Again, it's as big as a city. It has actual cannons on it. And with two hits from the mana rig's cannons, the dreadnought is actually taken out of the fight. So that shows you how powerful this mana rig is. Now, at this point, oh, we get more bad news because the weather light shows up and it's been completed by the Phyrexians. Oh, no. It's, I know. It's so awful. Like the weather light is such a symbol of hope and restoration on Dominaria. And here it is Phyrexianized. Yeah. Oh, no. So Airtai, who is just, you know, this bonkers guy from last episode who basically turned Danitha's dad into what he called an art project. If you remember that crazy loon from the last episode. So Airtai is actually here. He jumps onto the mana rig from the weather light and Karn immediately recognizes him. Uh, so Airtai jumps down onto the, onto the deck and actually says, it's been quite some time, old friend. And Karn responds, it couldn't be. Yet it was. Airtai. Karn had thought him dead. Whatever techniques the Phyrexians had used to revivify him after all these centuries had left what made him, him intact. 
how he set his shoulders, how he narrowed his eyes at Karn, how he flexed his hands. These mannerisms remain the same. That to me is 10 times creepier because it's like in completion, you would think that when you're completed, you're what's left of you is completely gone. You're just wiped clean, right? You That's that's who you were, right? Where is no longer. Your memory is what may do you. That's And that's terrifying, but at least you're no longer you, right? You're just, right. A, you're just a vessel of Phyrexia at that point. You're, you're not an individual, right? You are part of Phyrexia. But it seems like Ertai is still him in a weird way, right? Phyrexia has uh, like kept pieces of the old Ertai and kind of like refashioned him. That is even more chilling, and disturbing. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, no, like knowing that he's still him in there and, and that he's aware of everything that's happening. And I mean, this guy is like, I've said, I think I've called him a loon already, but it's like, you know, someone who wasn't already like a kind of person who is like predisposed toward these types of like this type of violence or this type of like need to, to make everyone the same. He's still there, which is just so creepy. So as this is happening, the dragons show up and begin attacking the Phyrexianized Weatherlight, including Daragaz, who we were introduced to in the last episode. Woo, go Daragaz! Now after this, so Karn phases off with Airtai, and Airtai tells him that anything that has been built can be disassembled. Airtai is pretty much just unhinged. He tells Karn that he has spent all his time since he last saw Karn planning and redesigning himself so he could specifically fight Karn. And then Airtai hits him with a spell that holds him in place, similar to the one Ronan used on him earlier. And this spell has so much pressure behind it, it actually starts to dent Karn's metal body. And Karn is like feeling all this pressure, like pushing on him and he's feeling his body start to dent. And then Airtai actually freezes Karn and essentially starts trying to pull him apart limb from limb. Yeah, what's crazy in this moment is it... Karn, for the first time that we've seen his story in Dominaria United, Karn is recognizing pain right now. You know, under under Airtai's torture, he is recognizing pain. Um, and that that stood out to me when I was reading this section too, is that it, I never had I heard Karn recognize that something hurt or that something was painful. He recognized it in his friends. Like he he could see when his friends were in pain and he recognized it as a human thing. But he actually describes pain in this moment, like when, and I can imagine why, Airtai specifically made this spell, it seems, to take out Karn. Yeah. And in fact, Karn actually wonders what it would be like to die for the first time. And in this moment, he realizes he might actually die. And he very quickly decides if he's going to die, he's going to first protect the Silex. So again, the Silex right now is still hidden in Jorah's workshop. And so he uses his Planeswalker abilities to build a metal box around the Silex. And I mean, he just like puts on these this like massive lump of metal around it so that there's absolutely no way anyone could get into it unless they can get, get through a gigantic hunk of basically indestructible metal. Now at this point, as Karn is battling it out with Airtai and he's kind of frozen and he's he's experiencing this pain and this realization he's of having impending. a mortal realization. Like and yeah. and he even he even remarks in this moment, right? When when I was reading this, I, this line also stood out to me where he said like he never thought he would die, right? And I'm I'm not quoting it exactly, but it's like he 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 never thought he would die. He always thought that he never would. Like, he, it was just something that he would have to witness everyone else doing, but he would never have to actually go through it himself. And it, it's this really, it, it's this really dark moment for Karn, I think, where he's he's 
just realizing that he can, that he is mortal. He's more like his friends than he thinks. And gosh, it just, it really, it really stood out to me when, when he was talking about this and, and it's just, I felt for Karn, my heart reached out to him. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's, it's really like heartbreaking to watch him go through this. So at this point, the golden Argosi shows back up, hooray, with a Johnny atop it. Now a Johnny just heroically jumps down off of the golden Argosi and immediately attacks Airtai, who falls off the side of the manor rig with a yell, which I just think is so lovely. Like, Airtie's over here like, I've got you, Karn, you're in my clutches. And a Johnny just like takes his axe and is like, boop, and he just goes flying. Well, because a Johnny is a Johnny, right? <laughs> like a Johnny <laughs> is the most incredibly powerful and, you know, trying to think of another word other than badass. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> it, the most incredibly powerful and heroic. And it just he comes in, he swoops in at the perfect time. And he's such close friends with Karn that it's it's like this is this is a this is a hero at, at his finest here and Ajani has always been that right he's he's always been that he- warrior hero yeah Ajani's nothing if not heroic and a sign much like Dominaria and the or sorry much like the weatherlight Ajani is a symbol of hope right Ajani shows up and you know you're saved it's like you know having a, a like and in magic we do have angels right like it's like you know when you have an angel appear that's like having a johnny appear almost like you're you're like oh god i'm saved thank goodness yeah <laughs> so in this moment karn decides he can trust a johnny and he tells a johnny they have to defend joyra's workshop because that's where the silex is and they cannot let the phyrexians get the silex because again karn believes that this is the key to actually taking the phyrexians down once and for all yeah it's always been about the silex for for those of you who are trying to remember get caught up to speed on our last episodes it has always been about the silex the silex is the key our whole story has been revolved around keeping this thing safe and secret because it Akarn knows it is the thing that the phyrexians are after and the phyrexians would not be after it if it wasn't important exactly now Jaya arrives on the Golden Argosi, as do Danitha and Radha and their troops, the Banalish Knights and the Keldon Warriors. They join into the fight and they make short work of the Phyrexians with both Blade and Flame. At this point, Jaya actually tries to joke with Karn because Jaya is just all sass all the time. And Natalie, can you read to us what she says? Yeah, so uh, this is this is the, the sentence where Jaya raised a curtain of flame and drew it along the decks, herding the Phyrexians towards the Argosi and her troops. Karn, she cries, how do you like your interplanar nightmares cooked? Amazing. How do you like your interplanar nightmares cooked? Like, that is such a Jaya moment, but I think the best is Karn's response. Where he just flat out deadpan says, I do not require nutritional sustenance. I do not require nutritional sustenance. Thanks, Karn. That's such a, that's <laughs> such a machine thing to say. And it's, it's just, oh, it made me chuckle. Oh, that's so good. Now, at this point, Jaya also shows off that she's able to cast this really powerful lightning spell. And she, you know, tells Karn that this is what she's been doing. She's been learning this really powerful lightning spell, which is really cool. I learned some new tricks, is what she says. <laughs> yes, of course. Because, again, pure sauce. Because it's Jaya fashion. Yes. In, in a true Jaya fashion. <laughs> Um, now, at this point, Karn spots Shieldred among the Phyrexians. She has been attached to some, and this is a quote, nightmarish construct from the ancient wars of Dominaria and is now as tall as the Manorig itself. Now, Shieldred opens her mouth and speaks and Karn hears her. You have the Silex for me, she says. Karn immediately instructs Jaya to run and get the Silex from Joira's workshop and take it far away. So he's choosing to trust Jaya in this moment. 
Shieldred moved forward, not so much striding with her many legs as swimming through her army, gathering monstrosities into her body and incorporating them into herself as she went. So the cannons, which were able to do a lot of damage to some of the other Phyrexians, don't seem to have an effect on her at all. Wait, so she merged with an entire, like, with the entire dragon engine? That's what it seems like. So I believe what it, and it doesn't, like, go into explanation here, so I'm just making assumptions, but it seems like on Yavimaya, they basically find this, uh, Joda and Maria find this like ancient artifact and they use it as a bomb to blow it up. I don't know if this is the same one that they put back together, but fused it with Shieldred or if it's a new one. I'm not sure. But either way, her body is fused with a dragon engine, Natalie. That is correct. So however it happened, don't know, but uh, the effect is absolutely horrifying. And the army actually uses Shieldred's body as a ladder because, again, she's super massive now. She's just huge. They use her body as a ladder to get onto the manor reg. Now, Karn fights alongside Teferi and Ajani in front of the workshop door to protect Jaya. And Joyra finishes working on the self-destruct mechanism. And the manor rig shudders to life, knocking everyone off balance. So everyone stops fighting fighting to essentially make sure they're not going to fly off the mana rig as it lifts itself to those feet that Natalie mentioned earlier. This causes Shieldred to lose her grip on the mana rig and she loses her balance and tips over. The mana rig then begins to walk through the Phyrexians, crushing those in his path. It actually scoops up rock as it goes along and spews out waves of molten lava onto the Phyrexian below. And the Phyrexian army begins to pull back. At this point, the Yavimayan elves show up on top of a Magnagoth, which is a tree folk in magic lore. The Yavimayans unleash arrows as the tree folk just tear through the Phyrexian army. And Joda is with them. And he's able to get onto the manor rig because he flies in on a flighted Kavu. And a Kavu, by the way, is explained in the Planeswalker Guide to Dominaria, written by Roy Graham and Ethan Fleischer. And Natalie, can you read to us what a Kavu is? Kavu are reptilian creatures that are either very ancient or relatively recent creation on Dominaria. They first appeared during the Phyrexian invasion centuries ago, suddenly introduced to the plains ecosystem at a time when all nature on Dominaria was threatened. The Phyrexians found the creatures a far more difficult opponent than much of the plains' other wildlife. Now, the Lanawar elves breed them to fill a variety of roles, believing that the Kavu were the goddess Gaea's means of intervening on Dominaria's defense. The close relationship between the elves and the Kavu is a constant reminder of Gaia's beneficence. And this Kavu can fly, which is pretty cool, and it's carrying not only Joda, but Maria too, who has decided to join the fight. So more elves come in on Kavu, and the plural of Kavu is Kavu, by the way. Joda then casts a protective shield around everyone as the Yavamayans provide some much-needed relief for the fighters already on the mana rig. And again, remember, there's the Banalish Knights and the Keldons on there, and they've been fighting nonstop since they arrived. So this is much needed. Now, to very even whispers were saved. And at this point, Jaya emerges with this massive lump of metal that is encasing the Silex. So she's found it. Karn has another great Karn moment here where as he's seeing Jaya struggle to carry it, he realizes, oh, maybe I made this too heavy for humans to carry. Nice job, Karn. <laughs> nice job, Karn. Thank, good job thinking. Like, it's so funny because if I, I can't imagine like being friends with a whole other species that has so many needs compared to you that you're constantly having to think of. And so he just genuinely didn't, <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> didn't think, think about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So at this moment, Jaya exclaims that she needs someone to help her planes walk it away. It's just too heavy to do it on her own. So Karn begins to remove the external metal lump. Now this still leaves it protected by the lockbox that he had made back in episode one. So it still has a metal lockbox that only he can open. So Ajani, his voice distorted, says, finally. And it doesn't come out as a growl so much as it sounds mechanical. They all turn to Ajani as he bares his teeth, flattens his ears in an agonizing grimace. His skin begins to undulate and his one good eye widens in horror. He's just standing there mouthing no over and over and holding his own arms as if he's trying to stop what's happening, but it's no use. They emerged ripping open muscle and fur to reveal a sleek, dense Phyrexian musculature that had been installed beneath his own. A Johnny had been completed. He was the spy, the traitor. He had betrayed them to Shieldred. A Johnny? A Johnny was a sleeper agent this whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm speechless. I, I wrote what, and then I wrote no, and then I wrote why in my notes on this one, because I just couldn't, like, I had to read it over and over and over. I could not, I could not believe that it was a Johnny. But if you go back and if you look at when they were in the tower. <gasps> that's, oh, that's how a Johnny knew where to find Karn in the very first it, episode. In the and, very first episode. <gasps> or, I'm sorry. It's the second episode. And it's the very beginning of the second episode when a Johnny finds Karn. He had told him that it was because Jora had put a spell on the letter she was sending him. But now we know that wasn't true. That was a lie. He knew because he was a sleeper agent and Rona or Shieldred had told him that Karn was there and that they needed to go find him. Also, when Ajani leaps away to go chase other Phyrexians and um, right before they go to the Tower of New Argivia. In episode two. Yeah. When he leaps off and no one can follow him and they all go to the tower by themselves, that's probably how Shieldred knew what was going on. And that's why they had Sten go with them. So Shieldred was able to witness the whole council meeting that Karn and everyone was trying to assemble because Johnny was there unknowingly spying. But that's how Shieldred know that Joda had portaled them away. That's how she knew to send a Phyrexian in after them. It is, it, it's all coming together. It, I am heartbroken, but yeah, it, it's all coming together now. But it's a Johnny. Oh, a, it's just a Johnny so sad. is probably one of my favorite planeswalkers of, of yeah. all time, right? I, okay. I, have a, I have a cat deck where it's just a Johnny. I, right. <laughs> I, cat person, check. Heroic as heck, check. Good friend to all, check. Good family to all, check. Provides like, unity and peace and collaboration that, like, between the other planeswalkers voice. yeah benevolent voice just so many amazing things and now it's revealed that for the entirety of dominaria he's been a sleeper agent shieldred shieldred has taken him i'm i don't even have words of how devastated and upset and sad and shocked that makes me. I, I really don't have words. And our planeswalkers feel pretty similar. So Jaya clutches the Silex to her body and takes one step backwards towards the workshop. She casts fire all around her, but Ajani, and this is a quote, swept up his axe and drove it into her body. Jaya's back arched and her mouth gaped in pain. She fell. So not only has Ajani been completed, but Ajani just attacked Jaya. 
As this is happening, Teferi casts a spell to slow time, which slows Ajani's attack. Karn rushes Ajani, placing himself in between Ajani and Jaya, and Ajani swings his axe into Karn's torso. And it cuts Karn deep. Even though Karn expected the blade to skid off of his nut metal body, Ajani's axe is embedded in Karn's torso and Karn is trying to pull it free. Ajani passes both he and Karn and goes straight to Jaya. Ajani says, The Silex and Karn, two of the artifacts the Whispering One wished to obtain on Dominaria. Jaya says he's going to have to kill her before she'll let him have it and casts this white hot fire that actually burns Ajani's fur away, which reveals blackened wires and cables below his skin. But with a thrust of his ruined hand, he hurled Jaya over the edge of the mana rig. Hurls her over the mana rig and she's saved by another planeswalker? Right? Hurls her over the edge of the mana rig, period. And nothing? And nothing. So, so Jaya is dead. Like, I, I what, what, what next? <laughs> Are you going to kill off all of my favorite planeswalkers? I, uh, oh, I, I don't even know how to react. I mean, this is shocking, right? We just found out that Ajani is asleep, has been a sleeper agent the whole time, and that is bad enough because now we know that Ajani has been compromised, and there is no cure for completion. There isn't a way to reverse this. There's not a way to come back from it. Like, his body is half metal. Ajani is gone. Ajani is gone, exactly. And now he kills Jaya, a planeswalker that is so powerful against the Phyrexians because of her her very unique power of fire. I mean, she's been the most effective. And that's probably why he and that's probably why he went straight for her, right? So so two reasons, right? Like she's holding the Silex and she's his greatest threat. Right. With this white hot fire that she has. And oh my it literally burns his skin away and he's just like metal cables and he just picks her up I, and throws her. I honestly can't figure out what I'm feeling more right now. I can't figure out if I'm feeling just utter devastation over what just happened in the matter of a few pages. Like, this just completely blows a hole in so much that, that Ajani is gone and then now Jaya is gone. But I, I, I also can't tell if I'm, like, mad. <laughs> I, can't, I don't want to be mad at Ajani, but I, I'm also really mad at Ajani right now. But I don't want to be. Yeah. I'm so torn on what to feel right now. The most brutal part to me is as it's, as he's realizing he's been completed and he's just mouthing the word no in complete and utter disbelief because he didn't know he was a sleeper agent until this moment either. And I mean that our planeswalkers are just standing there horrified. So Teferi gasps, Joda cries out, Karn tries to remove the axe from his body to no avail. I mean, it's in there. And Karn sees the Silex where Jaya had dropped it but before he can get to it, Ajani puts his arm around Karn like a buddy, lifts the Silex, and crushes it in his hand as if it were made of nothing more than paper. I mean, it is an ancient artifact, but... That's three blows in a row. This, The Silex, the whole thing, the, this is what the story has been all about, is keeping the Silex safe and figuring out how to operate it, and it's just gone. Yeah. It's just I know that um, this is a podcast and you can't see me, but like my hands have been over my eyes for the last like five minutes of talking about this. <laughs> and, and I'm just over here with like hands flapping in the air over. I don't know what to what to even think or do. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just flabbergasted is, is really what I'm feeling. Because everything they've been working for has just been boom, 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 like knocked down like dominoes. And now what do they have? 
They've lost Jaya, they've lost a Johnny, and they've lost the Silex. And what, here I was thinking they that, they were, that they were going to win this battle and that, you know, they were going to take out Shieldred and, you know, the, the mana rig was going to save them or something. No, uh, apparently I was wrong on all of my assumptions here. I, I, I assumed it, it's strange, right? I've, I've always assumed that nothing bad could ever happen to a planeswalker. Like it, it just, they seem so invincible and that nothing bad could ever happen to them. And then now in this set, and then in, you know, when we had seen it in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty too, when Tamiyo was completed, it's. Oh, Tamiyo. It, 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 it is now making me doubt the invincibility of planeswalkers, right? It's hugely making me question whether anyone is safe. Like truly for the first time, I'm truly doubting whether the planeswalkers can even get out of this. Absolutely. I mean, this shows how big of a threat the Phyrexians truly are and how powerful Shieldred has made her army of Phyrexians. So speaking of Shieldred, on the ground, she actually crashes once more into the mana rig, crushing it between her enormous body and the side of the mountain. And the tide of the battle turns once more to the Phyrexians' favor. Shieldred then splits herself apart. So she basically separates her human-like torso from the mechanical dragon engine and dives onto the deck of the mana rig. Now, despite most Phyrexians being very gory and dark and metal, she has a very beautiful face. And one of the planeswalkers actually remarks on um, how she probably stole it from some long dead beautiful woman. Now, Shieldred places a hand on Karn's chest and says, I have the mana rig. I have you. Dominaria is vulnerable to invasion. All the wonders of my people will become your wonders. All our beauty will become your beauty. There is only one truth. The next step in evolution will be completed. And all around the battlefield, Phyrexians begin to murmur, there is only one truth. There is only one truth. There is only one truth. Shieldred tells Karn that things didn't go to plan for her because of his efforts. And then she reaches over and breaks the chain that he's wearing, which is holding the scrying device, the locator, and the tool he'd used to communicate with the weatherlight and just tosses it to the ground. She continues on, no, this is better. I do have a plan, Karn, a plan for you and for Dominaria, for all the worlds. At this moment, Joira chimes in. I guess you're going to be disappointed, she says, because you won't get what you want today. And then Joira triggers the mana rig's self-destruct mechanism and it ticking begins. So it sounds like this is a ticking of a bomb um, and classic artifact and magic, right? This is, this is the self-destruct mechanism for sure. Um, and yep. the gold it's, it's begun yeah. like counting down, right? So like yeah. they know, oh God, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get yeah. out of here yeah. right now, basically. Yeah. And, and whenever, if you've ever played a game of magic, whenever an, uh, a big artifact like the mana rig, uh, is going into destroy all things mode, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> it, it literally <laughs> destroys all things. So, it, you know, the, the planeswalkers, everybody here and, and let's, Let's not forget, there are a lot of soldiers here, right? We've got the Banalish knights. We've got the Keldon warriors. We've got the Yavimayan elves and all their kavu. We've got so many, you know, friendly allies here on the mana rig as well. There's a lot. Planeswalkers. The planeswalkers, you name it. And so they all know this, right? So the Golden Argosi with Rada and all of our friends there, the race is away from the mana rig, right? They just like turn tail and race away. And Joyra shouts to Joda, portal everyone out of here now. Joda jumps into action, 
opening several portals and pushing Danitha, Radha, and Maria into them to get to the safe location. And if you're curious, yes, he does pull Maria's Kavu back through the portal, too, to keep them safe. I was curious that those Kavu are really neat. Um, They're like reptilian. They look really cool. They're like they almost look like kind of monsterish. Like, I feel like flying into battle on one of those things is just really, really cool. Like, it's like Maria's move. So thank you, Joda, for saving the Kavu. Then Joda looks at Karn with regret and steps backwards through his portal. So now Karn is alone with Shieldred. She sighs, and as soon as she says aloud that she's acquired the targets and is ready to return, a red light appears and grows until it engulfs Shieldred, Johnny, and Karn. And I quote here, Karn could feel how it tugged at him, the very essence of what made him Karn, and it stole him away, like he was nothing more than an artifact, the object of a theft. Brutal, brutal. This entire five-part series... Karn has been fighting to be viewed as equal. Karn has been fighting to be viewed as more than a machine, as more than the sum of his parts. And here he is reduced to feeling just like a thing again, all because of Shieldred. After all the work, after all the apologies, after all the relationship building, he is reduced once again to an object by Shieldred. And this episode is, this episode is taking a lot of things away. Yes. And honestly, that sentence you just said really worries me because it says the very essence of what made him Karn was stolen away from him. And I don't know what that means, but I want to know. Like, I, I uh, it's a bit of a cliffhanger there. It's it's left vague on purpose. So at this point, we cut to Joyra and to Barry, who are helping the survivors into triage tents and sending soldiers to scorch any remaining Phyrexians. And everyone's just exhausted. Well, they've been fighting a Phyrexian swarm for who knows how long. That's yeah. that's an intense battle that they just went through. So Teferi finds Joda staring at the battlefield, holding a lock of Jaya's hair and Karn's broken chain holding all those artifacts I mentioned earlier. And Joda just honestly seems devastated. He tells Teferi that he can't let go of her when he just got her back. Speaking of Jaya here, he says that though he's known Jaya across lifetimes, they still didn't have enough time together. And Joyra comes along and tells them that they have living friends who need them. She asks, what are Shieldred's plans? What will she do with Karn and Ajani? And Joda replies, he doesn't know, and asks how they can even fight them without the Silex. And at this point, they build a memorial for Jaya. They're out of the sand. They create these pyramid-like um, shapes that, that are meant to be kind of a pilgrimage spot on this place, on this plane now. Teferi cleared his throat but didn't speak. He only shook his head, unable to put into words how much he'd miss her wit, the humor she brought to such serious tasks. Jaya couldn't save a world without making a quip about it. He had imbued memories of her in one of the stone pyramids, her patience with teaching Chandra, how she'd smiled just before saying something really cutting, how they'd met. He'd never forget the day in Zalfir when he'd mistaken her for a line cook and asked her for a fried egg. She... Grinning, had gone behind the counter to oblige and lit all the burners with a flick of her fingers. Much to the actual stallkeeper's surprise. You want some chutney with that? He'd never forget her. The planeswalkers all leave their memories of Jaya in her memorial, which is constructed of pyramids made from the sand of the desert where they stand. Now, at this point, we cut away, and Teferi actually meets up with Sahili, another planeswalker, and they planeswalk to an ancient barrel-vaulted hall with its roof still intact, well-protected from the sun. And it's Urza's tower. Now, if you'll remember, Urza is actually Karn's creator. Urza, who has been gone for a long time now, created Karn back during his mortal lifetime, and Karn's been around ever since. The clay tablet that had symbols matching the Silex was destroyed. 
but Karn's notes and drawings of it had survived. And Jaya had grabbed them when she grabbed the Silex and hidden them in a pocket in her clothing. And when they found her body, they actually found these drawings, which were able to help them. And using these notes, Sahili was able to decipher when the Silex had been constructed and had made a perfect replica of her own. So Teferi is going to use a magical device to return to the wind to learn what Karn had already determined, the how. How did one activate it? Sahili brought along a magical device, which Teferi describes as looking more like something used in a dungeon than anything he wants to get into, but get in he does. Sahili straps him in and tells him good luck before Teferi uses his magic to do the one thing he has vowed never to do, cross time itself. So Teferi is going to do something pretty massive here. We don't find out what it is. I have some guesses, but are we really not going to find out, Harless? Are we really not going to find out in Dominaria United what, what Teferi is up to? Well, there's one more scene, but the scene is with Karn. So no, we're not going to find out anymore in this ah. episode. But do you want to tell us about the last scene with Karn? Yeah, so this last scene is that uh, Karn finds himself... He wakes up in sort of a dark cavern, wondering how his friends fared after the battle. Like, right, he he had seen Joda at the very beginnings of trying to get everybody escaped, but he, he hadn't been able to see whether they were okay on the other side. He he does not know the fate, the true fate of Jaya. Right, he he even wonders about her, but then says no, best not to think about that uh, because he has this. He has this bad feeling that she might be dead. And and so he truly does not know, not know the fate of any of his friends. However, it is a good sign that he's thinking about his friends at all. He remembers them, right? Because the last we had seen of Karn is that it felt like Karn's self had been taken away. But there's he's obviously still there. There's there's still Karn there. Um, and then while he's uh while he's thinking about his friends, uh, and, and what had maybe befallen them, a white light illuminates the cavern and he sees that he's not alone. Elish Norn stood before him, glowing as though she housed a star. Her attenuated limbs had an insectile delicacy, and her long face had an arthropod's beauty. Her smile was narrow and self-satisfied, even as she scraped a servile bow in his direction. Welcome, father. Elish Norn's voice was a throaty, pleasing contralto. Welcome home. Ooh, super spooky. Karn looks around for Shieldred and Ajani, but isn't able to find them. Elishnorn grabs Karn by the chin and tells him he's been away for far too long. They've missed him, and he deserves to share in the glory of what is to come. And at this point, he sees a small sapling growing from the porcelain sand that covers the ground. Its branches have an iridescent sheen, and beads of oil hang from the twigs like buds. Even in what is probably one of his worst nightmares, Karn can't help but feel a tenderness for this little tree, trying to fight against the odds and survive. He asks Elish, what is it? And she replies, it is the beginning of great things, father. It is the beginning of everything. And that is how the final episode of Dominaria United ends. On another cliffhanger. <laughs> so, we end with Elish Norn. and. That leaves so many questions for me on what is she doing? Uh, you, you know, I and 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 without giving without getting too much into speculation, right? I don't want to assume too much about where we're going here. But we were introduced to Elish Norn at the very end. We also don't know what happened to Shieldred, 
right? Like the mana rig maybe destroyed her, right? She could very easily be destroyed. But suddenly we're introduced to Elish Norn. She, Shieldred, Ajani, and Karn all went into that like glowing red light together. But Karn is the only one that like ended up where he ended up. So we don't know if she was, like you said, destroyed or maybe she just went somewhere else. Or I mean, Karn like woke up. Maybe she was there and walked away. And same with Ajani. Like he could have been, he could be fine in another room. He could be completely gone. We just don't know. We have no idea also where Karn is. He's just in this ambiguous dark cavern space with Elish Norn of all individuals right over and and we kind of got a a small description of her but it's she's clearly I don't think she's a good one (laughs) like I'm just I'm just getting this creepy feeling I I don't think Elish Norn is a friend to Karn no I, I don't think she's here because she wants to help him in any in any capacity. And I think Karn knows that too. Yeah, it's they they really um Langley Hyde really um did an amazing job with the story and really left me with a lot of questions. Now the great thing is that this is a four part story arc. So we've just completed part one. We just talked about Dominaria. But don't you worry because we're gonna be back for season two to talk about Brothers War. So stay tuned for that. As always, you can find the story on mtgstory.com and we will see you for season two for the Brothers War. Thanks for joining us in the multiverse. Have Have a magical magical day. day!